We are going to kick off a new series throughout the summer uh, through the book of Proverbs. Um, So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to the book of Proverbs. We'll be in chapter 1, verse 7 primarily today. Um, This series is going to be a little bit different than most of the others that we've done, primarily because um, most of the time when you have a a series, you're either going through a book of the Bible or you have this certain topic that you're just kind of working with. But Proverbs is a unique book in that you have one verse that talks about parenting, and then the very next verse is talking about how to do your job correctly and how to find counsel um, among other people. And so it's just kind of a bunch of scattered topics, it seems. There are sections of Proverbs that have themes, but generally speaking, it kind of covers a lot of ground. So that's what we're going to do. Throughout this series, we're going to be taking some well-known Proverbs that you've heard before, some of them that maybe you have not um, heard or aren't as familiar with, And we're going to cover a lot of ground. We're going to talk about parenting. We're going to talk about career. We're going to talk about um, how to handle relationships with other people and things like that. Um, But today, we want to start off with uh, something really foundational. I do love the book of Proverbs because um, it's it's so well written and it's so easy to remember some of the things that are said. Because instead of saying something like, don't be lazy, Solomon words it this way in Proverbs 19. He says, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to its mouth. his mouth. In other words, he puts his spoon in the bowl, but he's so lazy he's not willing to bring it back out to, to feed himself. So the Proverbs are written in a way to be memorable. They're written in such a way that you don't just, don't just hear truth, but that it sinks deep into your hearts. When you think about the book of Psalms, you think of a book that's very devotional. Like, if you're going to just open up your Bible and read a passage, Psalms is near the top of everybody's list for a devotional passage of Scripture. But as A.T. Pearson says, what the Psalms are to devotional life, the Proverbs are to practical life. So Proverbs, almost every single verse in this book is something that you can take with you today um, and apply it to your life directly, which is all of scripture, but the Proverbs is maybe most obviously that. It's practical wisdom for daily life. Most of it was written by Solomon, who's considered one of the wisest men to ever live. He's the son of David, king of Israel, one of the wealthiest, wisest men to ever walk the earth. And uh, we have a lot of his Proverbs in this book that are collected, but he wrote far more than that. Matter of fact, 1 Kings tells us he spoke about 3,000 Proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. So he often was uh, expounding and writing these Proverbs, these things of wisdom, and we have some of them collected for us in the book of Proverbs. And I want to be clear about the fact, right at the outset of this series, that yes, we are reading these Proverbs of Solomon. These were written um, by a man, but these are ultimately breathed out by God. So we're not just reading the wisdom of Solomon, we are reading the Word of God, so we are reading wisdom from God himself. This is not just a few helpful tips for life. This is godly wisdom breathed out through Solomon onto the pages of Scripture for us. Why were they written? Who were they written for? Proverbs 1.5, he tells us right out the gate in verses 4 through 5, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. So in other words, this is written for everybody, but there is kind of a special emphasis as you move through the book of Proverbs. He talks often of young people and his children. So he's, he's wanting to, in some ways, primarily write to those who are young, who are young in the faith, wanting to impart wisdom to them. But it's also written for everybody, those who may not consider themselves wise, those who do consider themselves wise. This is written for you. And then we come to verse seven, which is where we'll be today, where you see 
the theme of the entire book of Proverbs. So even though we're going to kind of be scattered, you get right at the outset of this book, you get a theme that undergirds everything that we're going to talk about. And it's Proverbs 1-7 where he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This one little proverb is the foundation for this entire book. Not only the book of Proverbs, but I would say all of Scripture. This truth that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge is foundational to our understanding of Proverbs and Scripture as a whole. It, gives, it sets apart the book of Proverbs from worldly wisdom. Because as we go through the series, you'll hear things that even unbelievers, those who don't believe in God, would say, that's really helpful, that seems really wise. But you can't fully understand the depths of knowledge and wisdom that are found in Proverbs, and you can't really uh, apply it to your life in the way that it's meant to be applied apart from understanding the fear of the Lord. And so there's a few things this verse teaches us that I want to dive into, and that's the first thing that it teaches us about is the fear of the Lord, to fear the Lord. For the unbeliever, uh, Proverbs 1-7 must be a frustrating thing to read after you've read verses 1-6. through because Solomon says, I'm writing so that you would know wisdom and instruction in verse two. Verse three, to receive instruction and in wise dealing in righteousness, justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. He's saying all these things. And I think whoever you are, you're thinking, man, I want that for my life. I want wisdom. I want knowledge. I wanna see justice and equity and righteousness in our world, in my life. And then he gets to verse seven and he, he sets the foundation in the fear of the Lord. I got to think that for an unbeliever, that's really maddening and frustrating. It's kind of like if you've ever had a friend tell you about a movie or a song that they love and they amp it up and they're telling you just how great it's about to be, and then you listen to the song and you're not that impressed. I got to think that people wanted to say to Solomon what Festus said to Paul in Acts 26. Festus said to Paul, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. Solomon, like Paul, they were very wise men, very intellectual, had a lot of knowledge, and people knew that about them, well-studied, well-versed. And yet, when they got to start to talking about things of the gospel and Jesus and the fear of the Lord, for the unbeliever, it doesn't seem to make sense. But Solomon says, it's the foundation for knowledge. And we'll talk about why that is in just a moment, but in order to understand why the fear of the Lord is the foundation of knowledge, I think we first need to understand what the fear of the Lord is. Proverbs gives us some more insight into that. You can write these references down if you're taking notes because I'll move kind of quickly through them. But Proverbs 8, 13, Solomon says, the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Proverbs 14, 2, whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. The book of Job, which is also one of the books of wisdom in Scripture, Job 28, 28, he said to man, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil is understanding. So a large part of what it means to fear the Lord is to love what is good and hate what is evil. In order to love what is good, you need to know the one who defines what is good, the one who is good himself, and that's God. So the fear of the Lord is to love God and his goodness and what he loves and to hate what he hates. We're not, we're not primarily talking about being afraid of the Lord. 
Although for the unbeliever, there's coming a day of judgment when there is a rightful fear of being afraid of his judgment. But for the believer who's secure in his love and his righteousness, it's a reverence. It's an awe of who he is. But you can't revere, you can't fear what you do not know. Not truly. See, I can tell you that the Grand Canyon is a great place to go and visit, that you should go there because standing at the foot of the Grand Canyon and looking out is one of the most awesome experiences that you can have in this life. The problem with me telling you that is I've never been to the Grand Canyon, so I don't know that personally. I can know a lot of facts about that. I can point you to that, but I've never truly experienced it. I don't have firsthand personal knowledge of that myself. And so truly, I've never stood in awe of the Grand Canyon. There's a lot of people who know a lot about God. They know a lot about the scriptures. They're scholars. They're students of the word, but they don't have a fear of the Lord. And Solomon says that's the foundation for knowledge. You can know a lot of things, but the foundation of true wisdom and knowledge is in knowing him and fearing him. Proverbs 2, 4 through 5, Solomon says, talking about wisdom, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now, that might sound a little bit contradictory to what we've talked about, because in the first hand, I've said, you need to fear the Lord. That's the foundation for knowledge. But here he's saying, search for it, search for wisdom, and then you'll know the fear of the Lord. It's kind of, it seems like it's contradicting itself. Well, you have to understand, this is important to understanding the book of Proverbs and all of Scripture, really. When Proverbs is talking about wisdom, Solomon's not just giving us some vague concepts that sound really wise. He's ultimately meaning to point us to a person, because in the New Testament, we find out that wisdom is personified in Jesus Christ. In uh, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30, Paul says, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. See, in searching for godly wisdom, we're not just searching for some concepts of wisdom that are somewhere out there for us to find. In searching for wisdom, our search needs to be for wisdom himself in Jesus Christ. That's where you find wisdom. And it's at the feet of Jesus in the gospel that we begin to understand the fear of the Lord and find what wisdom really is. If you want to gain wisdom, it must come through a fear of the Lord. That's why I love what Job had to say. And I've quoted this passage a couple times. It's one of my favorites. In Job 42, after Job and his friends have tried to expound wisdom about what God must have been doing in Job's life, God finally shows up on the scene and speaks. And after God speaks, Job declares this in Job 42. He said, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. You see, to get to wisdom and understanding, you have to understand the fear of the Lord, and to understand the fear of the Lord is to lay aside your own wisdom and understanding. It's to say that when I see God for who he is, when I see wisdom personified in Jesus Christ, I begin to realize that I have no wisdom in myself. I have no good in myself. And I lay that aside and I repent before him and I acknowledge that he is God and I am not and I revere him. That's why C.S. Lewis said, as long as you're proud, you cannot know God. As long as you're proud, as long as you think that you have something within yourself to offer that is wise and understanding and full of knowledge and goodness, 
If you think that in yourself you have that to offer, that's pride. You cannot ultimately know God because to know God is to know that you have nothing in yourself to offer and you lay it aside for the search of him, for the pursuit of him. Because if you're proud, you cannot know God. To fear the Lord is to understand, in part, his holiness. The word holiness gets thrown around a lot, and it would take an entire series. It would take our, it's going to take our whole lives to pursue the depths of what that means. But I think when we think about holiness, for many of us, we, all, we most often think purity. We think if somebody's holy, we call somebody holier than thou when they're doing what's right and they're trying to, they're trying to just, just live right all the time. And we think of holiness as purity and right living, and that's a part of what it is. But God's holiness is more than that. It means that he is separate from, he is other than. So everything in existence can be defined in two categories. You have Everything that has ever been created, you and I, the animals, the stars, the planets, the universe itself, and everything in it that has been created is in one category, and God is in another category. He is completely other than. It's not, it's not like we're, we have a ladder of holiness, and we're down here, and God's up here. God's in another category entirely. He is holy. He's other than. And that's what causes us to revere him. He's infinitely holy, infinitely good, infinitely loving and just. God's not just greater than everything. He is, but he's also separate and distinct and different. And so to fear him is to understand who he is, to understand who you and I are not, and to bow your life at his feet in reverence. To fear the Lord is to lay aside your pride, to say that he is God, I am not. He is wisdom, I am not. He is goodness, I am not. And to bow your life in reverence before him. And Solomon says that is the foundation of knowledge. You want knowledge and wisdom, that's where it starts. So we see the fear of the Lord. Number two, we see in this verse the foundation of knowledge, which is the fear of the Lord is the foundation of knowledge. That's what Solomon's really saying when he uses the word in verse seven, the beginning of knowledge. He's saying that th this is the foundation of for knowledge. If you don't start with the fear of the Lord, you don't ultimately end up with knowledge and wisdom and insight. So you can memorize the entire Bible. You can take the book of Proverbs and you can try to live your life according to every single proverb found in this book, but apart from the fear of the Lord, it ultimately gets you nothing. It doesn't benefit us. I saw a, uh, I was reading an article and a lot of times in an article at the bottom, you have links to other articles and um, I saw the title of one. I didn't actually click on, it, click on it to read it. But the title of one of the articles was Finding God in Tiger King. And if you don't know, I won't get into it, but Tiger King was a show that I do not recommend that you watch. Um, but Tiger King was, was a show out on Netflix. And the, the, just the title, Finding God in Tiger King, was absurd to me. And I thought, this is what people often do in search for knowledge, Right. And I've heard pastors do this. They take a movie like Iron Man or one of the superhero movies and they go, let's find some wisdom in this movie and some godly knowledge for us. And I'm thinking, you might be able to find some stuff in there, but why would you go anywhere other than the source? Why, why are you going outside of scripture to find out things about God, what he's already revealed to us in scripture? If, if you're gonna take a movie or a song or whatever and try to learn something from that, why, why go to a secondary source? And it got me thinking about um, got me thinking about signatures. 
I've never understood why somebody's signature would be worth money. It doesn't quite make sense to me. Um, I really wish mine were worth money because it would be great. I'd just sign things and just send them out. That's how you make money. But if you think about it, a forged signature isn't worth anything. Why? It looks exactly the same. Nobody, for the most part, can really tell the difference. If, if somebody's signature, just them writing their name on the piece of paper, is, can be valuable according to who they are, why is a forgery that looks exactly the same not worth anything? It's because it's not from the source. And wisdom works the same way. If you try to gain wisdom and knowledge anywhere other than the source of wisdom itself and God and who he is and his word revealed to us, you come up empty. It's meaningless. You might find the appearance of wisdom. I'm not talking about intelligence. I'm not saying you can't be intelligent. You can't be logical and reasonable. All of us are made in God's image, and a part of that is we are reasonable human beings. But wisdom is only found in the pursuit of God must go to the source. Matthew Henry said it really eloquently, I thought. He said, we are not qualified to profit by the instructions that are given unless our minds be possessed with a holy reverence of God. In other words, what he's saying is all the commands that we find in scripture, all the wisdom that's found in this book, we cannot profit by it apart from a fear of the Lord apart from bowing our life in reverence of the one who gave it to us in the first place, we can't profit by it. You might, I'm, I'm not saying that you won't find good things that happen in your life when you try to walk according to God's commands if you don't know him. I'm just saying that what, where life is really found, where true wisdom is really found is only in the fear of the Lord. I think this is what James was getting at when he said, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. That's great. You believe that God exists. You have knowledge. The demons have a lot of knowledge of who God is. Satan knows scripture better than any of us do, probably. But that's not what it means to be in relationship with God. To just know and have knowledge is to fear him, to bow your life in reverence before him, to repent of your sin, turn away from that, and turn to Christ and trust in him for salvation and life and wisdom. Because true wisdom is not found in knowing the right answers. It's found in knowing and being known by God. That's where wisdom's found. It's not just about the right answers. It's about going to the source. That's the foundation of knowledge. See, Proverbs 1, 7, right at the outset of this book, is telling us, and this is for the rest of this series, this is for every sermon we ever do, by the way, is telling us that the only way you're gonna really benefit from these things is not simply by filling your head with knowledge, coming to church, getting all the information and saying, let me apply this to my life. It must begin with a fear of the Lord. Otherwise, it will not profit. It will not benefit you. And so in fearing him, you're bowing your knee to him. In bowing your knee to him, you're acknowledging that he's holy and you are not his ways are better and higher and wiser than yours and everyone else's. You're saying that when your wisdom goes against God's wisdom, that you are always wrong. That when you take the word of God, the wisdom of God, and you say, I don't think that's right, you can count on it. You are always wrong. It's only when we speak the word of God. It's only when our lives are in line with his wisdom that we're right. And bowing your knee to him, you're saying that you 
and I don't bring any insight to better explain or understand the word of God from within ourselves. It only comes from God who is wisdom. And finally this morning, when you bow your knee before him in the fear of the Lord and saying that's the beginning of knowledge, what you're saying and acknowledging in that is that everything else is foolishness. That's what Proverbs, or sorry, Solomon says in the second half of the verse. He says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. And that's our third point. He tells us that fools reject wisdom. Now, let me define the word fool for us this morning. Because when the Bible uses the word fool and foolish person, especially in Proverbs, it's not speaking of intellect. It's not talking about how smart somebody is or how dignified they may be in knowledge. It's talking about categorically those who reject God. It's talking about the same people in Psalm 14.1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Those who reject God, the Bible categorizes them as foolish. It's not meant to be simply some insulting, derogatory term thrown out. It is who they are because they've rejected wisdom itself in rejecting God. And the only alternative then is to be foolish. We live in the most technologically advanced age in history. We know that. Knowledge is at our fingertips always. I mean, I was working out the other day and we were wondering, we we're just curious because we were doing pull-ups and I can only do about two pull-ups and then I'm done. And I was like, I wonder what the world record for pull-ups is. And in five seconds, I found out that there's some guy did 4,210 pull-ups in a 24-hour period. He had, took breaks in between, but still. And then I was like, well, what's the consecutive record? And in five seconds, I found out 620 uh, consecutive pull-ups. I have no idea how that's humanly possible and the guy was 70 years old, by the way, when he did that, 620 pull-ups. And I thought to myself, why am I even bothering? Like, why even try, right? So there's a lot of information. I found all that out in just a few seconds. But with all this information out there, everything that we can know and fill our heads with, there's also a lot of false things out there. There's a lot of lies, and it can be really difficult to know what's true. Matter of fact, we're living in a world in a time where uh, satirical websites like the Babylon Bee, who writes satire, they've had to make a second website called Not the Bee for things that actually did happen. It just, you think it's satire when you first read it, right? This is where our world's at. All the information in the world at our fingertips, and yet it's hard to know what's real from what's not most of the time. How do we know? We know as we fear the Lord and seek Him for wisdom and insight because everything else is foolish everything else, everything that does not stem from him. This, this was not planned, by the way, not by me anyway. I know God is sovereign, but this, I don't know that you can get much more of a perfect sermon for Graduate Sunday because in all of the learning of this world, in a world where everybody continues to push us toward books and knowledge and research and the stats and what's going on, in a world that just continues to drive us toward all this knowledge and all this learning, God's saying, you can do all of that and it's worthless if you do not sit at my feet in fear of me in the pursuit of my wisdom that I give. So for the foolish people, in their pursuit of wisdom, little w, they have rejected wisdom, capital W, wisdom himself, God. In their pursuit of wisdom, they have rejected wisdom. Therefore, they are foolish. And God, who is wisdom, has, I don't know if this is the best word here, but I'll use it, conveniently given us his revealed wisdom in his word. 
He's given us where we can find wisdom. And, and this is why I harp on the fact that the Bible is our authority for life, but the word that I like to use most often about the Bible that I think we need to, we need to bring back is that it's sufficient for life and godliness. So while you won't find in the Bible tips on how to fix your kitchen sink, you will find everything that you need for life and godliness right here. Everything that's related to wisdom that you and I need will be found right here in the pages of this book. And there are people, even professing Christians today, who will say things like, the Bible is a great spiritual guide, and it's got some nice historical stories in there. Some things are real, some things are not, but it's not ultimately our authority. And I would say they are foolish. Again, not meant to be an insult, but when you reject wisdom, the only alternative is that you are chasing after foolishness. Because anything that does not come from God is not wisdom. And what makes this difficult is that the world is not simply rejecting God, they're mocking him. The word for reject in verse seven of Proverbs one, or, or sorry, the word for despise is literally can be translated to scoff and to mock. That's why Solomon would go on to write in Proverbs, Proverbs 14, 7, leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. Proverbs 23, 9, do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the good sense of your words. And we've got all kinds of Christians who are chasing after the wisdom of this world, chasing after what does this world have to offer. We're doing everything we can to see if we can line up God's wisdom with worldly wisdom, but they're incompatible. They don't, they don't match Solomon's not saying don't talk to people who don't believe in God here. He's saying don't try to glean wisdom from them. And don't think that you're just simply going to be able to walk up to an unbeliever and speak godly wisdom and they're going to accept that because in their hearts they are dead in sin. What they need is the fear of the Lord. What they need is the gospel so that their hearts can be awakened to truth. It's the same thing Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 1. He says, Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. The Jewish people want some sign from heaven to know that, God, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's real. And the Greeks wanted this, this knowledge. They wanted you to be able to eloquently explain to them why this is the case and reason with me. And Paul says, I'm not doing either of those things. He says, we instead preach Christ crucified. And the gospel to the world that seems to be obsessed with wisdom, the gospel which is the wisdom of God is seen as foolishness. It's a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. What the world sees as foolishness is actually wisdom. What the world sees as weakness is actually strength, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And what I fear is that for a long time, we have tried really hard, and it comes from a good place, but we've tried really hard to make, make uh, the gospel and God's wisdom attractive to fools. We've tried to make the gospel attractive to the very people that are rejecting it when that's not our calling. Our calling is to proclaim the gospel. Even Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. 
There'll be families that are divided when the truth comes and when, when, when they reject truth, division will come. Our calling is not to make the wisdom of God attractive to men because in our pursuit of trying to make it attractive, what we're doing is we're adding worldly wisdom to it and the minute you add worldly wisdom to godly wisdom, you end up with nothing. Anything added to the wisdom of God makes it null and void because truth mixed with a lie is still a lie. And I think that we need to remember that our calling is to preach the gospel. This, that's important for our series too because, again, as we go through this, you're gonna hear some practical tips for life. You're gonna hear practical wisdom that you can apply to your life. And if you think that what this series is about is just simply taking practical tips and making your life better, you've missed the point. If you don't start with your knees bowed before the Lord Almighty, submitting to him, then you're gonna end up with nothing. It will not benefit you. I tell people all the time, it's, it's not ultimately difficult to make a toddler happy. All you gotta do is just give them what they want, give them as much candy and television and iPads as they want all the time, but this is gonna come back to haunt you at some point, sooner rather than later. And what we've done is we've tried to give the world what it wants. We've tried to make it seem attractive and lovely, but ultimately what it's gonna be to them is foolishness. And our call is to proclaim the wisdom of God and let God do the work of heart transformation to, to bring them into submission to his truth. And I pray that we would not drift away from a fear of the Lord to a counterfeit wisdom that seems appealing to fools. Don't be like the foolish to win the foolish is another thing that we see in Proverbs. We'll probably take a look at that proverb as well. In two verses, Solomon says, answer a fool according to his folly. In the very next verse, he says, don't answer a fool according to his folly. And we'll take a look at what that means. And, and, and briefly, what we're called to do in speaking to those who the Bible says are foolish because they've rejected God's wisdom is not to make wisdom appealing, it's to proclaim wisdom, it's to proclaim the gospel. So as we close our time together, I wanna read some more words from Solomon in another book that he wrote called Ecclesiastes. Um, Ecclesiastes is a lot more depressing than Proverbs is, um, but it's such a rich book as, as Solomon looks out over life and riches and wealth, and he says it's all meaningless. And in the end, he says this, Ecclesiastes 12, he says, the end of the matter, all has been heard, fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. And, and many of us know that passage. It's pretty well known among Christianity. But I, we don't know often the verses that come right before that, but it's really crucial to understanding what he's saying there. So in the verses right before that, verses 11 and 12, he says this, the words of the wise are like goads, like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. And they are given by one shepherd. In other words, all of the wisdom that we have in this world, if it's truly wisdom, you know where it came from? The good shepherd himself. All of the things that we have in Proverbs was written by Solomon and, and, all, and, and we have the Psalms written by David and all the rest of the scriptures, they come from Jesus Christ himself, who is the word. And here's what he says. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. Don't pursue the wisdom of this world. Don't go outside the book. 
Don't go outside of Scripture, the wisdom of God revealed to us. Instead, bow your life before him. Fear God. Keep his commandments. Submit to him. That's where wisdom comes from. And in a world that continuously cries, do your research, educate yourself, and all the other sayings, this verse, Proverbs 1-7, tells us what we actually need for true knowledge, wisdom, insight, morality, justice. It's all found in the fear of the Lord. You won't find it anywhere else. And so Proverbs tells us, the final passage we read this morning, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. His children will have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. You want wisdom? You want your children to have a refuge? You want to, to, to partake in the fountain of life? It's in the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of knowledge. And only foolish people reject wisdom and understanding. Would you bow your heads with me as we close in a time of prayer and reflection? Um, I want to say that uh, this, this truth, this uh, verse here in Proverbs 1-7 has been sitting on my mind and heart all week as I've been preparing. And it's, it, it's it, what God has been saying to me and bringing me back to continually is that I need to, to ask myself, am I living with a reverence of who the Lord is? Or am I simply trying to go about my life and do the right things and apply some wisdom here and there? Or does it start for me with a reverence of God, of saying, God, you are wisdom, I am not. You are strength, I am not. You are goodness, I am not. And so I'm gonna submit to your ways. I wanna ask you to do that reflection as well. If you are a believer, follower of Jesus, would you search your heart, ask God to search your heart to reveal to you, are you living in a fear of the Lord, a reverence of him, an awe of who he is? When you pray, do you just kind of show up, give God a few things that you want to happen in your life and move on? Or do you recognize that you are entering before the throne of the holy of holies? A God who dwells in unapproachable light and yet by his grace has invited us to approach the throne boldly. When you go about your life, your parenting, your marriage, your schoolwork, your job, your career, whatever it is, are you going about that in your own strength and wisdom or are you spending every day submitting to the feet of the Lord, submitting to him in fear of him and all of who he is and saying, God, I want this day, my actions, my life to be about you and honoring you and not me. Have you thought that wisdom is found in the things of this world or do you know that wisdom only comes from God? Do some reflection. And if need be, repent, turn from the things you've been chasing after and turn back to wisdom himself. God, would you speak to our hearts, even as we leave this place, would your word continue to go deeper into our minds, into our lives? God, would we know that wisdom only comes from you? Would we know what it means to fear you? to stand in awe of the one who is holy. 
And the angels surround the throne daily singing holy, 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 and they cover their faces because of your glory. God, I pray that you would not just be an afterthought in our lives. As we try to live out wisdom from your word, may we recognize that it can only happen as we submit to you and who you are. So be with us as we go. May we live according to your wisdom, your insight, your goodness. We ask it all in Jesus' name.